When I was in India a number of years ago with Mission India, I was impressed with one of the recent converts who said, I have learned to quote the entire Sermon on the Mount by memory. Now, I assumed he had memorized it as part of the literacy project that we were sponsoring as he stood before our group of Lutheran pastors and perfectly quoted the sermon word for word. Our leader said, that's wonderful. How did you do it? And the new Christian said, I spent the last five years trying to live it. Ah, (laughs) my friends, the greatest threat to Christianity in our world today is not Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism or some other religion. It's not communism. It's not atheism. It's not materialism. It's not even humanism. The greatest threat to Christianity is Christians trying to sneak into heaven incognito without ever sharing their faith, without ever living out the Christian life, without ever becoming involved in the most significant work God is doing on planet Earth. Jesus never intended for his church to be limited to a particular day when people gather in a building. He meant for us to go outside the camp the way he did as he gave his life away for the sake of others. Too many times church ends up being something people just go to and not something people are and do. We need to begin to think differently about church and see a new paradigm. With these, we are the church glasses. I don't see a building. I don't see pews. I don't see stained glass windows. I don't see a pulpit. I don't even see preachers. I see what Jesus saw 2,000 years ago when the crowds gathered wherever he went. Usually it was a group of common people living common, ordinary lives. They were under foreign occupation. They couldn't make their own laws. They couldn't plan their own futures. They couldn't determine their own destinies. And yet Jesus said to them, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so, my friends, you may think that your witness is insignificant. You may think that you can't change the world. You may think your faith won't make any difference. But I can tell you, if you're a Christian, you can make an incredible difference in this world just by how you live. You are salt and you are light. And the world would not be the same without you. So what does it mean to be salt and light? Why does Jesus insist that we need to pass the salt and turn on the light? How are we to do that? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And so you need to understand just how valuable salt was in the days of Jesus. What we take for granted today was like pure gold in Bible times. You see, salt is not just a flavoring, it's also a a preservative. And 2,000 years ago, people didn't have refrigeration. Salt was so valuable in Bible days that it was often traded ounce for ounce with gold. Roman soldiers were paid in salt. In fact, the word salary is derived from the word for salt. And so if a Roman soldier didn't do his job, he wouldn't get all of his salt. That's where we get the phrase, he's not worth his salt if someone doesn't do a good day's work. 
The fact is our world is decaying. Our world is rotting. Our world is full of evil and corruption. And it's our job as salt to obey God and do his will and so preserve the human race by slowing down the moral and spiritual decay of the world around us. You know, as bad as things are in our country, can you imagine how bad things would be if there were no churches? How bad would things be if there were no Christians? How bad would things be if there were no Bibles? How bad would things be if no one lived out the gospel? And so, as the salt of the earth, we need to represent what is good and noble in our society. But here's the danger. Jesus goes on to say, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, any chemistry teacher worth his salt will tell you that it's impossible for salt to become unsalty. After all, sodium chloride is one of the most stable compounds in the entire universe. It doesn't change, and it never loses its character. And so what Jesus is saying is that our godly character shouldn't be contaminated by the world. Now, much of the salt that was used in Israel came from the Dead Sea, which is more than a mile and a half below sea level. The waters of the Sea of Galilee flow into the Jordan River and from there to the Dead Sea, all the way to the bottom of the earth. And once the water gets there, well, there's no place to go. The hot sun evaporates the water and leaves behind this chunky white powder made up of a combination of salt and minerals. That powder contains enough salt to season meat or to flavor soup, but if it gets mixed with other minerals and even dirt, well, it's no longer pure. And when that happens, the salt loses its seasoning or its saltiness. So what does that have to do with you and me? Well, the worst thing that a Christian could lose is not his wealth, nor his job, nor his health, nor his family, not even his life. The worst thing a Christian can lose is his witness. Because when you lose your character, you lose your saltiness. When that happens, Jesus goes on to say, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's literally good for nothing. Salt that was contaminated would make the food taste flat or even repulsive, and so the salt became worthless. You couldn't throw it on a garden or on a field because it would kill what was planted. So instead, it would be thrown onto the roads where it would gradually be ground into the dirt and disappear. And then people could just walk over it. <laughs> you see, the one thing that can contaminate the salt of our life is the dirt of worldliness. In other words, when we conform to the culture, instead of transforming the culture, we lose our seasoning and the world no longer listens to us. The truth is, the church is being walked on by the world today. There's no respect for the church in the world anymore. And the reason is this. We're too much like the world. We use the same foul language. We see the same dirty movies. We commit the same crimes. And we ignore the same Bible. And the fact is, the average person on the outside of the church 
looks at the average person on the inside of the church and says, hey, he's no different than I am, so why should I go to church or practice Christianity? So my friends, don't lose your saltiness. Now Jesus goes on to say, you are the light of the world. So what's the difference between salt and light? Well, salt relates to our character, and light relates to our conduct. Salt deals with what we are. Light deals with what we do. We know what light does. It dispels darkness, and it attracts focus. If you're in a dark place with just one light, all eyes will focus on that light. Light is what gives sailors a course to follow across the seas. They determine a direction, oftentimes by the stars that are light years away. The gleam of a lighthouse on the horizon gives direction and attracts attention. Now, some of you may be thinking, wait a minute. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. How are we to be lights? Well, it's really very simple. You see, Jesus is like the sun, and we're like the moon. Jesus is the light that reveals God, and, well, we're to be the light that reflects God. Jesus goes on to say, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you'll understand just what Jesus meant. Back in Bible days, they didn't have bulldozers like we have today, so cities were built one layer over another. When a city was invaded and burned down and destroyed, well, they take all the rubble, knock it down, and use that as a foundation and build the city all over again, layer by layer. And so when you go to Israel today, you can see, for example, the ancient city of Jericho. These hills are called tells, and a city built on a tell or a hill cannot be hidden and neither should your light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now, Jesus concludes by saying this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now that raises a question. How do you know if you're being salt and light? How do you know if you're shaking the salt? And how do you know if you're shining the light? Well, here's a test. It says, if men see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now I'm convinced that the two greatest days in the life of an individual who's a Christian is first of all the day when she is born again, and second, the day when she comes to understand why she's born again. When you begin to live your life in such a way that people are attracted to Jesus Christ and want to glorify your Father in heaven, well, you'll know that your salt is tasty and your light is bright. As someone has said, the real mark of a saint is that he makes it easier for others to believe in God. Now, some of you will remember the days of the, the Susan B. Anthony Dollar. 
It only lasted for three years. You know why? Because it looked too much like a quarter, <laughs> and people didn't like all the confusion. In the public's mind, a dollar ought to look like a dollar, and like it's worth four quarters and not just one. Because the coin seemed like just another piece of change, well, it fell out of circulation. As Yogi Berra once said, a dime isn't worth a nickel anymore. <laughs> and a lot of Christians, well, unfortunately, are the same way. You ought to live your life in such a way and reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that it not only brings glory to God, but it causes other people to want to glorify God as well. You see, Jesus did not say you can be salt or you should be light. He said you are. You are salt and you are light. So shake the salt on a decaying world, shine your light to a darkened world, and you will make an eternal difference. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.